Welcome everybody today to another episode on my podcast. I'm super excited to have Joe Burns with me today from Reformed IT. Thank you so much for joining me, Joe. No problem. Great to be here. Thank you. And today we're going to be talking about cybersecurity and various bits and pieces and just having a chat in general um, about what people can be doing and things to look out for. Before we get into all of that exciting stuff, Joe, please can you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and your story? Sure. Thanks, Joe. Uh, so I'm Joe and I run a business. I co-founded a business called Reformed IT three years ago uh, and we help businesses to manage cybersecurity risk alongside all of the IT aspects of a business to make sure that they're as efficient and productive as they can possibly be uh, mm -hmm. using technology. Uh, but my background stems uh, in terms of business and IT and IT security uh, back to 2003. I've been in IT security for, so that makes it pretty much 20 years I've been in the IT security sector. Uh, but I, I started and co-founded a a business back in 2005 uh, where we did quite a similar thing and eventually sold that business in uh, in 2011 um yes so excellent that's, that's the background and, yeah that's great thank you so just so everybody knows reformed it look after our it um systems at smooth accounting they're um, incredible it support company and we've been so thrilled with the support you've given us over the last few years and having a growing business obviously that's quite a scary thing because most people don't know much about IT I don't want to speak for everybody but as a business owner like it just freaks me out and I'm like I'd rather just I want to pay someone and know it's all covered and I know 100% you guys cover it all you're brilliant so I know that I see in the news about like oh so-and-so company's been hacked and you know there's always like news stories and 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 people kind of pay attention to those things um but I'm assuming like smaller businesses get hacked as well. Like it's not just the huge companies that have loads of data. Yeah, all, all the time. I mean, obviously, because I'm known as a cybersecurity specialist, I get calls, usually, unfortunately, after a business has been compromised. So quite often someone will give my contact details to somebody because they've had a hack, they've had a data breach mm -hmm. uh, and maybe an email compromise or ransomware or something like that. And so a local small business will, you know, will get on the on the phone and, and talk to me and, and say, how do we deal with this situation? And and the difficulty is that that's always too late. You know, the damage is done. It's costing them disruption and maybe even a ransom. It depends how good their backups disaster recovery planning is as a business as to how much impact it has on the company so so yeah it isn't just the the big one the big ones make the headlines obviously because when the news are telling it it doesn't sound as impressive if they're talking about a local you know a local accountancy firm or a local solicitor's <laughs> firm but, on the news. <laughs> but, but yeah the, the the ubers and the arnold clarks of, of, of late are always going to make the the news headlines because they're big and it impacts a lot of a lot of people but um, what people don't realize is small businesses do get heavily targeted one usually because they're quite easy to go after uh, and and equally uh, it can still cause a lot of uh, disruption and disruption to supply chains so mm. they're not always going after the big companies they're going after the smaller businesses that support the big companies in um, their supply mm. chain as well quite often I makes sense so I know it says in your LinkedIn 
uh, profile that you are a certified ethical hacker. Yes. Please explain to people watching this podcast what that means. Because when I hear the word hacker, I think like, you know, like evil little people in their dark bedroom that like the police are trying to put in prison. Yeah, well, I, I'm trying to maintain the stereotype by wearing the hoodie anyway today. <laughs> so had to do that bit. Yeah. The, yeah, in terms of a in terms of a certified ethical hacker and why ethical hackers exist, uh, I like to relate it to a, uh, a sports analogy, whether football or rugby, some sort of team sport. You know, when you're in a competitive sport and you've got a team, generally the way that you improve your defense, your defensive line, is by using some of your own team, your best attackers that you've got in your squad to basically try your defense out, you know, test them out. Uh, and that and, and that's the point because because if you're using your best attackers, you're looking for weaknesses in the defense, you're looking for how we can improve the defenses by using the best attackers. Mm-hmm. And and this is exactly the same thing that businesses should be doing effectively, but from cybersecurity and their cyber defenses is if you're not getting any practice, if you're not looking for weaknesses in your defense, then how how are you going to improve? How are you going to make things better? So so that's why a role of an ethical hacker or pen tester exists, is you're basically trying out the defenses to make improvements, constant improvements. So like a company might say to you, like, try and hack our systems. Yeah, that is, I mean, we do quite a lot of that uh, as well uh, in terms of, uh, in terms of yeah trying to expose vulnerabilities and expose the issues that a business has and then plug in those gaps and fill in those holes before the, the bad guys get to them yeah and essentially if there's two people two people there's only one person in the race and that's a bad guy they're going to win you know you need you need someone on your side uh, as well so yeah that's that's basically why we're constantly looking at defenses and the other thing to bear in mind with an ethical hacker is we're using all the same techniques and tools and and things that the, that the hackers have got their hands on so yeah you know we're trying all the same things because ultimately if they've got them we need to be able to use the same things and expose the same risks yeah definitely and i you know i've, I've said this before on other podcasts that you know i got hacked in the very early days of my um accountancy business very very early i just just started and a ransomware um attacked my system and mm-hmm. you know just destroyed everything um it encoded everything and I, and I had no idea what was even happening like I didn't it, it didn't even register to me that anything was really wrong until I kind of you know even though everything looked different every file name looked different I was like oh I can't open things that's weird and like I didn't really even have any IT support and you know no security at all on my machine and and I just lost everything and and you know, I'm actually really glad that happened. And I'm glad it happened literally when I first, first started my business because I didn't really lose anything catastrophic. Like I was able to just carry on. It was fine. It was pain. But like, imagine if that happened now. Like, I just can't even imagine just, you know, and that's why obviously we have you guys looking after our IT because I know that wouldn't happen. But, you know, I'm so glad that did happen to me. And I say to people, I was so naive and I was literally just there in my little garage with my laptop, you know, <laughs> la la la, just do all these accounts and then boom, ransomware. Yeah. yeah and I, I thought OneDrive would, because I had everything in OneDrive, like I was like, well, it's fine because it's in OneDrive. So they'll just give me everything back. And they just didn't want to know. <laughs> they were yeah, like... I, uh, I mean, that's a, that's a good point. A lot of people look at, so... A lot of businesses have moved to Microsoft 365 and they're storing data in OneDrive and SharePoint and things like that, rather than having them on a on a file server in their in their building. Mm. But 
but you're still responsible for that data. You know, even though somebody else is storing it for you on this, on their equipment uh, in the cloud, which is somebody else's building, you know, if somebody if somebody else is storing that data, the responsibility is still yours for the data. Mm -hmm. And even though you can get it back, let's say you use you lose your laptop one day and you had everything in OneDrive. Yeah, it's really convenient because you can install OneDrive on the new computer and all your files reappear. Yeah, yeah. That's great. But it doesn't stop things that damage the files at the source. So if, right. you've, if you've been ransomed and they've affected your, your OneDrive or your SharePoint data, it's still gonna going to affect that data and you're still going to have to use backups. Now, Microsoft do a limited amount. Same with Google, you know, any of these cloud providers, they're not ultimately responsible for your data and they'd only do a limited amount of kind of version control it's not really a backup they'll do some version control and things like that so it is down to every business to make sure they've got a proper backup in place even for cloud applications like microsoft 365 and google apps it's really important so it's a great so point for like a business like ours um so we've got like 14 15 staff um you know we have an office but we don't have a server mm -hmm. I think we don't have a server um, right. and and everybody works from like sometimes from home or wherever they might be and then sometimes in the office and everyone's got their own laptop how are we protected from like threats like being hacked yeah so so the big thing and why i try to say to people all the time is there is no one single thing that that can stop everything it, it's about a layered approach. And, right. and quite often I use an analogy of a physical building. Do you know, if you're protecting a physical building, you will, you'll have layers of security control and it will depend on how important the, the building is, how important, you know, the uh, valuables within the building are as well as to yeah. how much you put in. So even if you take a typical house, you know, you leave the house and you lock the door, that's one measure of security control you have. Um, some people will have alarm systems. <laughs> Unless you there live in Dubai, unless you live in Dubai, I don't even have a key for this house. I've never locked it. <laughs> None of us lock it. We don't know where the key is. Um, so yeah, but in in the UK, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> it also depends probably where in the UK as well. Yes, um, the, yeah, but but that's this thing. You've got different risks, and uh, and it, with the physical building controls, you're you're locking your door. You might have an alarm system. Some people have probably put CCTV on the outside of their house as well, just to, you know, to be an additional deterrent and a, and a early warning system if there's a potential potential threat. You could even have your alarm monitored by a 24-7 security company. Uh, if you've got valuables in your house, you might put them in a safe as well. If you've got nice jewelry and watches, you'll put them in a safe because there's an additional protection there. So it's all about layered controls for the potential risk. And and as I say, if there's something valuable, you want that locked away even, even more uh, yeah. with an additional control. But ultimately getting in depends on what, how, what, um, so getting in to that building and those valuables depends on how much somebody wants to get in. Yes. I mean, at the end of the day, you can have, you can have all these kind of systems and someone turns up to the building with a bulldozer and knocks the wall down and yep. they're in. So the the effort that's applied can get people into the to the building. Yep. Uh, it generally depends on how much they want to get in and how valuable your stuff is as to how much control you need in place, uh, essentially. So, yeah. Yeah, and that's so true. Like, you know, sadly, a friend of ours got um, robbed. Their house got robbed a few, um, a couple of months ago, just before Christmas. And you know incredible house and and really sad what happened and and you know they had security and everything and i and we were talking about it and they were saying you know 
if they want to get in, they'll get in. And it's it's like even when we were talking um, at our last house to a, a like a front door supplier, and they were going through the different like levels of security you can get on this front door. So you can have obviously mm-hmm. different kinds of different locking systems and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like. I, I get it. I get, I absolutely get having a, a really secure front door and we did go for one, but, but I just think as well, like someone's just only got to smash a window. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's, there's only so much you can do. So, yeah. you know. and, that, and that helps. I think that helps analogy to some degree. Some people spend all of their IT budget on, on that big steel front door yeah. and, 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 and they don't do anything for their windows and they don't do anything else inside. So, yeah, I think when it comes to IT security, you've got to have a well layered approach mm-hmm. to defend everything. You can't just go, oh, we've got the best endpoint protection in the yeah. world. It's the best of that. So we don't need to worry about the risk of phishing, email, social engineering, all those kind of other ways that people can get in. So, yeah, I think that's a great way to bring into the analogy. The in terms of businesses and what businesses can actually do from an IT security point of view, mm-hmm. obviously there's lots of layers and it's attacking all of those and getting yeah. them all in place. Uh, but there's things like, I say, email, protecting your email, trying to stop the threat from coming through email. It's your devices, making sure that the endpoint protection or antivirus solution is, is good and it is detecting quite well. Um, traditional antivirus is no longer good, good enough. If it looks at a file to work out whether that file is bad, just based on a characteristic that's not exactly good enough today there's so many different files so so it's about looking at the behavior and the risk that's happening on that machine mm-hmm. um yeah then there's things like um training cyber uh, cyber yes. security yes. and cyber awareness yeah, yeah. training because uh, that is another layer if somebody's trying to social engineer an individual it doesn't matter about your it systems mm-hmm. we've had examples of clients where they've been done by somebody sending a spoofed email to somebody pretending to be the boss and then asking for a mobile number so they can WhatsApp them. Then they WhatsApp them, uh, but they change the name to the boss's name on WhatsApp. Do you know, if you haven't got the number, you can change the name yep. to whatever you want. Yeah. Um, and it looks like it's that person that's over WhatsApp and on a personal phone. And then they've messaged and said, oh, I need you to go and buy some vouchers. And people have followed these instructions. There is nothing really from an IT perspective that we can do to stop that. It's just the individual has to recognize that that's a scam. Yeah. And so user education and awareness training is also one of the layers and it's important again we could go on there's loads and loads of layers the one thing obviously for people uh, watching who want to understand how to mitigate a lot of their cybersecurity risk and want to look at where they're at at the moment we've actually created a scorecard so it might be a link worth posting but yeah, we've got a scorecard we'll, we'll pop the um we'll pop the link guys in the description so you can have a look at that yeah and then it basically asks 12 questions and it helps to build a personalized report to help businesses to understand what they need to do to implement these layers of control to help defend themselves, basically. Yeah, no, that's amazing. That'll be really useful for people. Thank you for that. Because okay. um, And it's funny you should say that about training and stuff. Again, I got um, another kind of scam got me. I When I was we were in our old offices, I got an email from my landlord mm-hmm. Um saying they changed their bank details for the rent payments we made to so i just amended it paid on my bank system paid it to the new bank details yeah. i was given scam you know it wasn't my landlord and i was so annoyed with myself because mm. but it had come from my landlord's email address so it wasn't yeah. even like they'd used a very slightly you know one character different 
they'd got they were, yeah. into his emails and email from it. And he'd emailed me about a year prior to yeah. actually change his bank details. So that was yeah. legitimate. And I'd mended yeah. them and he was like, oh, thank you so much. And so it was it was totally within character. We always corresponded on email. We never spoke on the phone. Like I would have no reason to think that wasn't him. Yeah, I, I think that's a great time to mention one of the latest things that we're seeing because like you say, the problem is hackers are targeting people's inboxes, right? They're, they're targeting people's email accounts on 365 and Google, you know, because if they can compromise somebody's account, mm -hmm. then they can start to send emails from that person to people that they communicate with on a day-to-day -day basis, on a regular basis, which then uh, which then makes it more difficult for somebody to identify because yep. if, it, if it's coming from a genuine person about a genuine subject, yep. including an invoice or a payment or anything like that, mm -hmm. that they've got all that information. They know exactly what the payment amount should be uh, and what it's for and everything. And they then they send an email saying, can our bank details change? Can you send it to this? At this point, the person receiving it, as far as they're concerned, nothing is actually wrong. And, oh. and in terms of, security awareness we're saying oh make sure it's from the right sender and it's about a real thing yeah those all apply in this yeah. case but whenever there's somebody asking to do something that's outside of routine you know anything to do with financial trans transaction changing account details anything like that we always say absolutely verify it pick yeah. up the phone yeah. talk to the person and verify it yeah uh, it takes two seconds doesn't it yeah. like hi did you send me an email to change back to no i didn't right okay that's fine. You know, I was so annoyed. And like the Santander didn't give me the money back either, which I was really annoyed about because they were like, mm -hmm. oh, you know, you did it. And, you know, whatever. Um, so I was annoyed about that. But, um, you know, it's just for me, like I'm a relatively intelligent person, <laughs> like you know, normally. And for that, you know, I've been hit by ransomware. I've been scammed out of it was 1800 pounds, you know, mm -hmm. just a lot of money. Um, yeah. And that that security training that we do that you guys send round to us and I know all the team do it like it's just it's little snippets little five minutes here five minutes there and it's just like don't forget this might not be you know things to look out for this might not be genuine and yeah. so I think you've absolutely got to train your team because the users the people doing the work they're the ones that are going to probably be targeted yeah you know? so it's it's so important that your team have the training like and yeah. as human beings you know we make mistakes that's just the way it is yeah so and that, that, this that's the thing as well Do human there is going to be lapse of judgment so <clears throat> security training is important but you need other layers and controls to try and mitigate the risk wherever possible as well yeah but the one thing on cyber awareness training one common thing we've seen is individuals being targeted in their first week at starting at a company so right. we're seeing this a lot um, and it's generally because they know that they're new, they're yeah. impressionable. Yeah. They maybe don't know the structure of the business properly yet or how people do things in the business. So they're more prone to, to mistakes. Mm. And so what they tend to do, the hackers are, and the social engineers, uh, they're targeting people that are starting in the first week and then quite often doing those voucher scams, emailing them to try and create a conversation, yeah. saying, yeah. oh, you can claim this back on your expenses and yeah, yeah, all yeah. that sort of stuff. Um, so what a lot of our clients have done as well now because you know the odd client has been individuals within these businesses that have joined have been scammed within the first week of starting because obviously they put on social media that somebody started and there's yeah, the information yeah. um 
And so what a lot of our clients do now is they don't even give people access to an email account until they've done some introductory training on cybersecurity to That's be really aware good. of these kind of yeah. risks and things as well. That's a really good, a really good idea, actually. Mm. Might steal that one. <laughs> <laughs> so we use um, Microsoft, obviously, as you know, um, Microsoft 365 and everything. Um, what would you say are the kind of latest threats for um, for Microsoft 365? How are people being compromised? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, what should they look out for? Yeah, so I've done a video on LinkedIn recently about about this, so you can see a full demo on my profile. I've I've, uh, pinned it as well uh, for anyone that does want to watch the detail. But the big thing we're seeing at the moment is uh, multi-factor authentication bypass techniques using session hijacking. I know I'm using a lot of like techie terms, so let's break this down a little (laughs) bit. So um, everybody has been told by security experts like me that you should be using multi-factor authentication on everything that's cloud enabled, particularly Microsoft 365. You know, when we're talking about the analogy of a safe, this is your golden jewels, right? It's got everything in it for your business. You know, your emails, a lot of files. And so you need to keep that safe. Uh, So multi-factor authentication has been the the gold standard up until now uh, in terms of if you have multi-factor authentication, it means that you need something besides just a username and password to gain access. So a username, password, and maybe a mobile app and a push notification or a, or a code, a one-time code or a text message, uh, something like that. So uh, with, with that, it generally stops hackers because if they steal a username and password from you, which is generally quite easy to do, they could fish you or watch you type it in or you know any other various techniques that hackers can use to steal your password. If they have that information, then all they need to do is enter that and they've got access to your systems. Mm-hmm. Multi-factor authentication prevents that because they don't have that other factor. They don't have your mobile app or your mobile number or anything like that. Uh, but what the hackers are now doing to, to get into accounts, even protected by multi-factor authentication, is they're doing something called session hijacking. So how this works is, Jerry, if I was to email you uh, with, a, with a phishing email that looked like, uh, let's say I'm sending you a, uh, a OneDrive file, right? And it looks genuine and you click it and it says, right, to access this file, you need to sign into Microsoft 365. Again, all pretty standard stuff. Yeah, yeah. When you go to sign in on that page, it's not just a page to capture usernames and passwords. What this is doing is sending you to the real Microsoft website, but with where the hacker has got their server in between you and, and Microsoft 365. It's kind of called man in the middle. So they're sat watching everything that's happening. Mm -hmm. And then if you sign in, it'll ask you to verify yourself using multi-factor authentication. And you'll do that. And then as it logs in, the session uh, session cookie, which I'm going to explain in more detail in a second, that is sent back to your device is then captured by the hacker. And then they are you, basically. They've got your account. They don't need your username and password. They don't need your multi-factor authentication. They have just signed in as you somewhere completely different. Uh, And that's how they're doing it. And this this, um, works by stealing the session. And as you've probably seen, if you go on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and you open it in a web browser, it will be open and it will stay open. Yes. You won't have to sign in every hour. You won't have to sign in every day. It just stays open. Yeah. It stays logged in. Yeah. And and that's done by using a session cookie. So when you've signed in for the first time, they give you a file for that device to say you've authenticated. Once you've got that file, I trust you. 
you know yeah. I'll, I'll let you i'll let you have access and that's what they're basically intercepting because once they've captured that file on the way back to you and they don't hand it to you they take it then they've basically resumed your session and and that's how it's how it works so that's the latest thing we've seen over the last few weeks that we've seen more and more businesses being compromised on microsoft 365 and when i get that call saying oh we've had a breach and then i say oh, by the way none of our clients have been done so far um, <laughs> just to make that clear yeah just to make it clear these are usually people that have been like recommend you know recommended yeah. speakers yeah, yeah but when they call up i say oh you we should have had multi-factor authentication enabled and they said yeah we have yeah. so then we've investigated it a bit more and looked at the threat and this is the one that i demo and it is they, they're by, they're bypassing it completely they don't need they don't need to worry about multi-factor authentication anymore. It's crazy because it's almost like, and I'm assuming this is the case, it's almost like every time you come up with an idea that is more protective, like multi-factor authentication, like they'll find a way to break it. Then you'll come up with some, not you, you know, whoever comes up with a new, it's like the banks to come up with a new security way for you to access your account, then that gets compromised and they have to come. It's just continual, like all the time. Yeah. And, and the reality is attackers are always going to be ahead. The yeah. attackers are always going to find a problem and they're going to use that problem. And then only when it's become known that that's a problem, is it yeah. going to get defended against? So there's always that window of opportunity mm. where they find an issue and they're exploiting that issue. And then it takes a while for people to implement the defense to stop yes. it. And that's why compromises will never stop. These things will never stop because there's always going to be that window of opportunity for the hackers, basically. Yeah. I hate them. Uh, um, the, I was going to say, uh, not so the, the thing, hackers. I don't hate them. <laughs> Just yeah. the real hackers. <laughs> uh, the other thing to mention is that, and you you touched on this earlier. We're now in a world, unlike like let's say two decades ago, where everything was in your office. You had a server in the office. That's where your yeah, files yeah. and your emails were, and people went into the office to do their work, and they couldn't really easily access their work outside of that office people had to go to the office obviously over the last couple of decades that's changed and it was accelerated somewhat by covid because any businesses that were still holding on to that legacy way of working were forced to change uh, and to basically make it so that they could work from anywhere more easily now being able to work from anywhere brings its own challenges because the reality is that back then unless you were in the building you couldn't access somebody's data and you couldn't compromise their systems unless you were in now people expect to be able to get access to all of their data and all their applications and all their systems from basically anywhere yeah now the one thing that we've been doing and i'm sure you'll have been contacted by our team about this i was gonna was... mention this yeah, go on go on you do it <laughs> but um but yeah one of the things that we're trying to do is is mitigate risk by going well realistically do you do does your business need global access do you need china or russia or any other country to be able to access your systems do you really need people to be able to log in from those locations because in all of the cases we've seen where we've spoken to our clients generally businesses only need to access data from maybe one the uk in your case uk and, yeah, and yeah. dubai yeah. <laughs> um so so there are you know but usually we've got businesses with uk and us officers uh, and sometimes people do travel a bit further and they need to work but but the idea is if you don't need to access your systems globally then why are you having 
it available yeah. to the whole world. I mean, ultimately, you're allowing a hacker from anywhere in the world to basically try and get into your systems. Mm -hmm. So we've started to apply something called conditional access policies to all of our clients to help limit and reduce the risk by just focusing on allowing people to log in in locations where we know that they're based or or we know the people uh, are using a device that's trusted or in a location that's trusted. So that's what we're starting to do to try and, you know, put more barriers up and make it more difficult for the hackers. Yeah, and that's great. Just like things like that, you know, like you say, if you don't need it, you know, what what's the point? It's just an another way. And and I think that that's where having a good IT um, support company, you know, on your side is so important. Like you mentioned earlier about people will contact you when they've been hacked and it's almost like too late. And, and we get that a lot. We get a lot of new clients that have got a tax investigation or like, you know, a whole investigation for corporation tax, that everything. And, you know, they're absolutely panicking and obviously we will we'll help them and we'll do everything we can, but it's, you know, we want to be preventative of these things. We don't want to, and it's a lot of, I'm assuming your industry is similar to mine that a lot of stuff is done behind the scenes. It's not necessarily things that you can see. It's mm -hmm. not, you know, our services are not tangible really. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, you guys are located nowhere near us, you know, we're really far South and you're very far North. Yeah. So we've never met in person, but you look after everything remotely and very, very well. And the same with our clients, they're spread throughout the country, but everything we do behind the scenes no one necessarily sees that, but that's where a lot of the value is. We, we've literally, yeah. you know, employ the most qualified people. We go through the most internal checks, you know, all these things we're doing. You just see maybe a set of accounts at the end of it. Your clients just see well, our computer switches on and works. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it's fine. And it's only when actually what, what we're doing is preventing if you do get an investigation, then we don't mind because we're just like, yeah, great. Here, here it all is. <laughs> you know, yeah. we're good with it kind of thing. Whereas so many accountants can't say that. And it's almost the same with IT. It's like you only need it when you need it, really, yeah. when things go yeah. wrong. Yeah, generally, it can be a bit of a thankless task, it, mm -hmm. IT, because like you say, generally people see IT support. And although the the, the the phrasing, the wording for this industry has changed somewhat. Like we don't call ourselves really an IT support business anymore. Um, I mean, because we, a lot of our job is to try and keep our clients safe. But IT support is, you know, part of the service and what yeah. we do. But our core focus is how do we prevent our clients from being hacked? How do we keep them working more efficiently? How do we make sure that they that they can work more flexibly? Flexibly, and and those are the things that we're actually providing for our business. But because people have got in their head that they're looking for an IT support type service, yeah. generally they then value it based on how much they need to talk to them. But that's the yeah. wrong thing to value. That is so absolutely you, the wrong thing to value. Yeah, if you're to, if you're going, oh, we're basing it on how much we actually use yeah. you to call up because we've got problems. Yeah. That's not really value. The value yeah. is keeping your systems running, keeping them yeah. safe, keeping them efficient. That's that's where the value is in a service yeah. provider. So yeah, definitely. And and I feel that's a great kind of place to to wrap up as well on in terms of your ideal clients what you guys um are looking for in an ideal client and who you can best help with your support services yeah so currently so we we are i wouldn't say niche we're not niche but we're quite concierge in, in the services that we offer we don't try and offer our services to loads of people because it, it would become diluted Same we want to do the best the best job for a smaller number of, yeah. uh, of businesses 
so that said, we are we do work with uh, a lot of businesses that are between uh, 20 employees and 200 employees. That's kind of the, the, the window. Yeah. Uh, our average number of employees uh, of clients is uh, around about 45 at the moment. Mm-hmm. And and we deal with a lot in the accounts and finance industry we actually have a wealth management client on our books that are managing billions of dollars because it sounds better billions of pounds billions of pounds worth of investment funds for for on behalf of like you know high net worth individuals so and they're heavily in a heavily regulated industry so we look after people like that we also deal with a lot of manufacturing firms because it becomes critical to their operation oh yeah Um, and it's funny the chain of effects that happens because we're looking after manufacturing firms that deal with the supply chain. And ultimately that you see at the end, the people that get their services that rely on what we do is is, is so impactful. Uh, so yeah, I'd, I'd say manufacturing, finance, uh, solicitors, we do a lot in the legal sector, mm-hmm. um, anywhere from 20 to 200 employees who have who value good service and yes. value IT security and, and not having to deal with situations after the after it's too late basically yeah and like I cannot stress enough having been through um being hacked and everything uh, in my business journey how important it is to have good um IT support I know you're not calling yourselves that anymore <laughs> but um you know it's so so important and you know smooth accounting love working with you guys you're always so helpful no matter who we speak to um everyone's so helpful resolves whatever it is like and like I say we've never met do you know what I mean you're like you've never needed to come to our offices we just everything's done remotely um which is great for us as well and um yeah so huge testimonial from us for you guys and thank you for everything you do for us and thank you for being on my podcast yeah well yeah thanks for inviting me and and yeah thanks for being such a great client and supplier as well so yes, uh, yes. Thank you. we're also their accountant as well i must get that in at the end <laughs> yeah no it's been awesome thank you joe and i hope no it's been useful to everybody i'll make sure the link is in the description for remind everyone joe what, what it is so it's a it's a scorecard. It'll ask you 12 questions. It'll help you to identify where you might be weak or strong in certain areas for cybersecurity and give you a personalized report on that. Yeah, everyone should do that anyway. Like, just do it just in case there's some areas they could need help with. Yeah, so I'll pop that link below. Um, you can find Joe um, if you do have a company with sort of 20 plus employees and you're looking for better um IT support you can find Joe Burns on LinkedIn as well and we'll also put your contact details and formed IT's details in the description as well thank you so much and uh, I'm sure I'll speak to you soon yeah no no doubt speak to you later thanks Gary bye